can you look back at yesterday and say, what happened great? What, what made me smile yesterday? Did I create a new memory? Am I working on today to create a new memory? And that new memory doesn't have to always be about faith or family. It can be about work. I can help out a client that reaches out to me and I've made a huge difference in their life. The business of sales is sometimes harder than actually making the sale in the first place. See, you're not only a professional salesperson, you're a business owner. But the focus always seems to be on sales. Well, we're here to help you. I've been in the sales world and training sales professionals for over four decades. My name's Morris Sims. I've seen some great salespeople fail because they didn't run their business very well. Well, we're going to share success concepts and interview some great entrepreneurs who are going to help you in your business. Welcome to the Business of Sales. Tell me, do you give a heck or not? I mean, one way or another, we all got to give a heck if we're going to keep going with this thing. And we got to learn how to live life on purpose. And that's what our guest today, Dwight Heck, is all about. He's going to talk to us about how to live life on purpose. That's his book. He's an author, a financial consultant, a business consultant, and does some wonderful things running his own business that he's going to share with us as well. So, Dwight, thanks so much for being here today with us on the show. Thanks, Morris. I appreciate you having me on. Tell me a little bit about uh, how you got into this. I mean, I was playing with the name of your book, uh, Give a Heck, How to Live Life on Purpose. How did you go from from starting off in, in the career world to writing a book on how to live life on purpose? Well, you know, it's, I can go back a far way. For me, for me, <laughs> You're, you, you know, you take it to wherever you want to go, brother. <laughs> it started. I started being an entrepreneur and wanting to excel when I was already 12 years of age. My father. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a small community of 10,000 people. My father owned a farm implement dealership, and very successful entrepreneur. And I was, I had to work. Here's the basics of life. You want anything else, you have to work. You want stuff, we're not handing it out to you because my dad was one of 18 children and my mom was one of nine. So they grew up in a very hard times on farms. And, you know, so my dad was a very kind man, but very, this is what needs to be done. So at 12 years of age, I started having my own paper out. In the summers, I'd work for my dad. It wasn't, you're not sitting at home like most kids, you know, <laughs> playing around in the summer. You're coming to work. You know, yep. this is a family yep. business. And I learned a lot from my dad. I didn't really appreciate it though till I was in my 20s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> until I started right. my own, my own first, my own first actual business. Not that being a paperboy wasn't a business because I had to collect money, had to have learned to have, you know, I had to listen to people lie to me why they couldn't pay their bills and stuff like that. But, you know, so, I, you know, fast forward to that, I ended up going, um, I had a friend of mine reach out to me and he asked me, you know, what are you doing in life? You know, where are you at? And at that time, I was struggling and I was applying for jobs and he hired me to work at his company. And fast forward from that, he convinced me to go into electronics engineering. So I went to a college here in Edmonton, Canada. And I graduated from electronics engineering and I started a computer company while I was working for a firm called Canadian Standards International, which is a certification body. I started a computer company on the side. And how did I start that? 
well, they needed somebody to service all their workstations and computers to their mainframe. The local company that they had hired that was across Canada couldn't come to help them out soon enough. And I offered to help them. And I didn't know what the heck I was doing. They gave me a couple manuals. And within two days, I figured out what I needed to do. I fixed all their issues. I installed all their new uh, workstations. And they asked me if I would take over their computer contract locally. And <laughs> that works, that's, yeah. yeah, that started me on a, there's a lot more details than that. But in a nutshell, it started me on a path where I ended up having to quit that company. I wasn't even with them a full year because I had had so many side contracts of people finding out about me and my tenacity. And it didn't matter if I knew it or didn't know it. I didn't have to have the schooling or the certification. I was just a person that gave a heck. I could figure things out. And I got known for that. And I started having many businesses wanting my time and my talent and the treasure that God had given me. So I ended up quitting that job buying out another computer company with the money I'd already been making on the side, bought out a company and proceeded to run that company, had a service department, had a consulting arm, brought on a business partner. And, but the problem with that is I started, I was, I'm, I'm that type of person that I followed that pattern that we talked about before you hit record where I was following my dad. My dad was a workaholic, loved the man, but everything for him was different than what I wanted it to be. And I realized I was falling into that trap. And I kept on hearing in my head, you know, you always wanted to live a life of faith, family, work, but you're living like your dad, work, 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 and somewhere in between faith and family fits in. And that's not really what you want. Yeah. So I decided, no, yeah. So I decided to realizing that I was having health issues and in 2001, just after September 11th happened, I ended up having some severe health issues and the neurologist and a doctor told me you have to quit that computer industry because uh, prior to that, prior to 2001 and about 1999, I closed down the retail store and the service department. I just stuck with complete consulting because that's where the money was at. But the problem is, is it's very demanding. I was doing consulting work for the province, which for those listening from the US, that's like a state. I was doing a lot of uh, consulting work for the police, but I was tenacious. I was working so many hours. It was nothing for me to spend 200, 230 hours in a month working billable oh hours. And then I do a lot of oh hours my. on top of that. So I wasn't yeah. getting a lot of sleep and it affected my health. So I had a friend reach out to me in 2002 and said, you know what, you're really good with people. You're really good with connecting and educating and you're tenacious. I think you should get into financial services. And I went, financial services, I didn't go to school for that. And you know, like that, that uh, little voice in your head's going, well, I went to school for this, I got to use that paper, I got to continue <laughs> to do what I went to school for, <laughs> which right. I really wasn't, which I really wasn't doing anyway, because I was I wasn't using my engineering background anymore. I had gone past that closed down all the you know that part of my electronics life I was just doing consulting and he said you know I know you make six figure six figures and you're struggling all the time I've known you for a long time because he had already known me for almost a decade he said you need to get into financial services so I homed in hard in 2002 by August of 2002 the doctors had told me you got to leave the IT industry you just can't do it it's you, you can't let go you need to get complete pivot to something else so i ended up agreeing with them reached out to my friend and i said to him i said what do i do well call this person 
I called this person up and I said, I'm coming to get the books so that I can write my license on Monday. This was a Friday. He said, you can't do this. You got to study for weeks. Uh, -uh. <laughs> I don't have that kind of time. I said, I don't have that kind of time. I'm coming to get the books. How much is it going to cost me? I brought the money, got the books. And I, he says, oh, he just kind of chuckled. And I said, oh, by the way, as I was walking out of his office, I've already booked the exam with the province. I'm writing the exam on Monday at 8.30 a.m. He says, you're crazy. You're not going to be able to do it. Don't tell me I'm not going to be able to do it. That's what I said. To him. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I walked out and I had my kids that weekend because at that point in time, I still wasn't a full-time dad. I was a joint custody dad. Years later, I ended up getting them full-time. So I had them for the weekend and I bought, I rent, went to Blockbusters, rented a bunch of videos and I was plugging videos in the old cartridges <laughs> and, and, and making quick meals. And in yep. between that, I was studying. Took them back to their other parents on Sunday night, like, was, like we do. And I studied from Sunday evening when I dropped them off until an hour before the exam. I never slept. I went, wrote the exam and I passed it. And, and that that's was all that matters because it, 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 there's start. no score. It's a pass-fail thing. Yeah. It was the start of the journey in the financial industry. And within six weeks, I fired my trainer because he was a transactional-based dude. No disrespect to him. But I, I wanted to be somebody that I never ever got. I had people that had done some poor financial things for me because they were trying to support their families. And they, nobody had ever taught them to do the right thing, to live a life on purpose, to break out of that pattern, to make it about people. And what do they need? What's going on in their six inches that got them into the circumstances they are in? And that's how I built my practice. And fast forward 2000, I was kind of, you know, skating by in life and just, you know, building my practice. But I really, I was afraid of the music dying inside of me, Morse. And for those listening, what do you, what do I mean by that? I have all this knowledge, I have all this passion, I have all this energy that through trials and tribulations that I've, you know, gone up the roller coaster down, up and down, up and down. And I've figured out things that have helped out my life and helped out other people's lives. But I didn't feel I was making a big enough impact. And I didn't want to die with all that knowledge in me. And I figured, you know, what can I do? So I plugged into some people just before the pandemic um, lockdown hit. And over the next few months, I created the Give a Heck brand, um, tied into my financial and lifestyle practice. And yeah, basically, I wanted to give people a sense of hope, give them that you know, give them the fact that they can have faith in tomorrow, and stop being gripped by the fear of today, right? And stop chasing money. Not that money's bad, but chase the reality of the fact. What do you want? What is your why? okay, this is what you want. Now, this is the money you want. This is the materialistic things you want. What can we do to make sure that that happens where it doesn't harm your family, where it's based on the my core values of faith, family, work? So obviously, does everybody gel with me? No. There's people that just want to press hard three copies and want a transaction. Well, they're not the, they're not the associations and clients that I look for or that look for me. I'm a type of person that wants to literally change your thought process, whether it takes a day, weeks, months, I'm here for a good, you know, a long time, not just a good time, one transaction. So I've got clients now in the last 20 years, I've been to their weddings, I've been to birthdays, I've been to funerals, the list goes on. That's amazing. Absolutely incredible. And in amongst all that, you gelled all those thoughts together into a book called uh, 
give a heck and yeah, living a life on to, purpose. Talk to yeah. talk to us about living a life on purpose, Dwight. Uh, where did that come from, and how does it how does it work? Well, this it started all back when I first got in the industry. I was when I first got into financial planning. I was talking with my trainer, and he took me out on some training appointments. Obviously, to, to people that I was, you know, he wanted to see that I had a decent market, et cetera, et cetera. And I was talking to people, and resoundingly, the same message I kept on hearing was the same message that was playing on repeating my head. And that message was, am I good enough? You know, I don't deserve to have everything everybody else has. You know, I've done this. I'd have, you know, I think about things that had happened in the past, poor choices that I had made or poor choices that were made for me that I didn't have control over. And I realized I was living on a hamster wheel in my own mental mindset in a brand new industry. And I remember hearing a speaker up on stage speak and he didn't use that exact phrase of how to live life on purpose and not by accident, but he talked about purpose. He talked about, do you know your purpose? Do you know what your purpose was? Why were you put on this planet? Right. And again, for those that aren't God fearing, you're just spiritual or whatever the case may be. Why did the universe put you here? Right. What, what do you have to give back? For me, it's God. God put me on the planet to do great things. Am I listening? Am I actually serving? And I just thought to myself, you know, this guy's talking a ton about purpose. So I need to figure out what can I do? What can I say that I'll trigger people to think differently? And it just literally popped into my head one day, how to live life on purpose and not by accident. And I really didn't focus on it as much as I should have until 2020 when we were trying to think of, you know, a call to action or a catchphrase for my give a heck brand when I was applying for the trademark. And when I was applying for the trademark for give a heck, I thought, you know, I'm going to make this my, this is my calling card. This is my mantra. This is my call to action. I give a heck. And I want to teach you how to live life on purpose and not by accident, because I've spent so many years of my life on that hamster wheel, getting off of it, getting back on it, getting back, you know, back and forth that I need, I have a lot I can teach people about how to create positive associations, how to, how to, you know, instead of having, I teach people specifically how to never have a bad day. And people say to me, well, that's not possible. And I'll say, yeah, it is. I practice it. I've been practicing it for a long time. I only have bad moments. I never have bad days because it's what we tell ourselves. Our self-talk is so powerful and people just discount it. So that's basically how to live life on purpose, not by accident came about. It started when I first got in. I kind of liked it. I'd tell it to people. I'd speak about it on the odd stage when I'd be teaching about financial strategies. But it really, how many people sitting in a room of that are financial people? Sometimes there'd be 30. Sometimes there'd be a few hundred. Sometimes there'd be a thousand. How many of them are hearing that message about working on your six inches? Or are they thinking, you know, when's this guy over? When's the next week coming up? <laughs> I, was a captive, I was a captive speaker. They weren't necessarily there to hear Dwight talk about the fact of how to live life on purpose and not by accident and tie that into their practice to be the best version of themselves so that they could do the proper financial strategies to ensure their client is always on the climb, always safe and living life on purpose, enjoying the journey. Like I talk to my clients all the time, that's fine. You want all this stuff, but on your journey to get to that, whether it's just retirement, saving enough, are you enjoying the journey? 
Are you putting enough time into your faith, your family, and making work your, your least priority? Because you need to work to survive, but it should not be why you're living. It should be that you should be living for life for me. I live for my faith. I live for my family, right? So that's my whole reason behind how to live life on purpose, not by accident, and write the book was to make people connect to the tragedies and trials I've been through all the way up to where I am today. The book ends basically where I started my podcast, which was in November 2020. And, you know, literally talks about the traumas of of my life you know losing a grandchild when she was four years old and and how do you get past some of this stuff because we can get caught in trauma and then we sit and retreat and life disappears and moves on by and so does everybody else we miss that journey so it's important to teach people how to live life on purpose get bad past those bad days making bad moments and what do they do to get past that and i talk from the real me because I live that every day. Some days I have bad moments. Some days I don't. And what do I do? Well, I do this. Does it always work? No, it doesn't. <laughs> right? It's, just, it's <laughs> yeah, life. But I'm That's I'm right. honest with myself. I'm honest with myself. And self-care is so important. And that just makes good sense. And I love it, Dwight. I think you're right on target. Living life on purpose. I talk about uh, teach people how to sell and and how to run a business. And we always talk about being really clear about what you want, why you want it, and then you've got to do that. You got to think on purpose. We we tend to to think, you know, just because it's there and our brain does it. We just sort of kind of think. And I'm I'm always telling people you got to take some time to go think on purpose. And I think that fits right in with what you're saying. It's it, you got to live life that way, really and truly, not just what you're thinking about, but you got to live life that way. It makes makes sense to me, but. You know, maybe I'm weird. I don't know. Well, you're not weird. Living life on purpose, though, starts with living in the present. You know, anybody that's listening, you're in the finance game or whatever career or business you're in, you have to live life on purpose. Like, congratulations if you're an entrepreneur or you're in a career and we'll use the finance game as an example. Good for you. But are you enjoying the journey right now in your life? Can you look back at yesterday and say, what happened great? What what made me smile yesterday? Did I create a new memory? Am I working on today to create a new memory? And that new memory doesn't have to always be about faith or family. It can be about work. I can help out a client that reaches out to me and I've made a huge difference in their life. Or somebody passed away that had gotten life insurance from me because I also do life insurance planning as well. And they'll reach out to me and... I made a huge difference. I had a call a few weeks ago, didn't even realize that the gentleman's wife had passed away. I sold him life insurance 10 years ago. And I spent 10 years trying to reach out to them to you know, keep on doing reviews or see if they needed more planning. No response, no nothing. All of a sudden I got a message from the insurance company. He reached out to him directly, told me what was going on. I reached out to him and It was such an emotional call, Morris, because he said to me, you know what, if you wouldn't have taught us how important life insurance was and that you taught us budgeting and why budgeting is so important that we need to understand that if we have a dollar and we're spending a dollar 20, we're going to be in trouble. And you taught us as well that certain things within your budget are always a a non-negotiable. And one of those non-negotiables you said was life insurance. And he says, you don't know what we went through in the last 10 years. We just about lost this and lost that. I won't get into details. 
And he said to me, he says, one thing that kept on, kept Shirley and me going is that you told us that's a non-negotiable because in the event of tragedy, this will be your lifeline for the surviving person. Or if it's both of you, it could be what you had put down in your goal sheets. They put down a goal sheets because that goal set with people that estate planning was huge for them. They wanted to leave something to their kids. So he said, because of this, he says, I'm in my mid-60s, had tons of debt, paid off the credit card, paid off the house, and I got enough money left to invest for retirement, and it's taken a lot of stress away. I'm still grieving the loss of my wife, but he says, at least now I don't have to grieve, plus be worried about finances, because she brought in money as well. Now, all of a sudden, that income's gone. So just simple things like that we can make a huge difference in people's lives you need to listen you need to ask questions and when you ask a question shut up and listen to the answer <laughs> isn't that the truth uh we you know you got two ears and one mouth on purpose and it, it's just it's amazing you're absolutely right when we do it right we can have a positive impact on people's lives and that usually means we're we're focused on them on the other person it's not Professional sales is not about transactions. It's about going out there and helping people solve problems and helping them get what they want out of life. Wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't you agree, Dwight? Oh, 100%. It, it, you know, it's hard, though, because we're a society that is programmed by what we watch, what we listen to, by our families into patterns of being entitled, figuring we deserve everything. And so when we sit down in a transactional sales position where we're educating and there's a final transaction, we're thinking through the process. And I'm being honest, that, that's what it was like for me. I'd think about a, a client that I was sitting with, especially the first couple of years, you know, um, divorced dad, trying to help support kids and the list goes on, pay bills. And I'd be thinking when I'm sitting with a client, I wasn't really present with what they're telling me. I wasn't listening. I was thinking, oh my goodness, they mentioned this and this and that. And I'm going, ching, ching, ching. I can sell them this. I can sell them this. I can yeah. make all this commission. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah. You know, <laughs> so it, it was, it's a process of really getting outside of yourself and stop making it about you. So I'm not saying you shouldn't have self care about yourself. But when you're dealing with the general public in any position, I don't care if it's retail. You need to put yourself in their position and think to yourself, what are they going through? What are they thinking about? If I was in their shoes, how would I feel, right? If if it was me sitting across the table or across the counter telling somebody this, how would, how would that resonate with me? What can I say and what can I do? So I've spent the last 20 years being a student of human nature, listening to tonality, watching body language, being very purposeful. And my intent to what I'm going to say, what words I'm going to use, because I didn't all the time. And I'd lose clients or, you know, potential clients and wonder, what the hell did I do? So I started to have to have self-reflection and making it about me in that sense that I was the problem, not them. Was I always the problem? No, I wasn't. Some people are just too far gone. It's just, it is, it is what it is. They're just not ready. They're not at that cusp of falling off into the void yet, right? Where they're willing to get help. But sometimes it was me. So I started reading more books. I started listening to, you know, in the last decade, listening to more podcasts. You know, I literally do whatever, go to different events. Like I've probably been to in the last um, 30 years, I've probably been to over 300 different events. 
some of them personal development, some finance, list goes on, because I was always wanting to better myself, but yet I didn't know how to tie it all together. Like you probably can agree with this. How many people go to a, an event of whatever, 50 people, thousand people, and it's a conference and they learn all this stuff and they get all this rah, 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 and they leave and they don't apply any of it. I was one of those people. I go to these and I get all jacked up. I'd be jacked up for three, four days after pages of pages of notes wasn't applying it. So I had to always have self-reflection realizing, you know what, I need to work on what I'm saying, how I present myself, because these people are hurting. They're a fine little thread, like a spider web away from falling off into the abyss. And if I don't work on me, and I don't take some of these things that I'm learning from these books, these tapes, these CDs, from you know these conferences, and start bettering myself. How am I ever going to make a difference? I'm just that transactional dude, and I kept on. I keep on telling myself that today, right? Well, it comes don't back worry to worry about this, the transaction. Yeah, no, absolutely, and it comes back to this whole idea of doing things on purpose and living a life on purpose. Because you go to these things and you take the binder home, you put it on the shelf, you never look at it again. Yeah, you've you've thrown away your your money for sure. But what's worse is you've thrown away your time, and that time is so very very precious. Oh, we can never get it back ever. Life's in, like uh, one of the things I say to people all the time. Never forget this: life is in session. This is not a dress rehearsal. That's right. Right? <laughs> it's 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 gonna keep on moving. You can't buy time back. You can't purchase memories you may think you can but you can't living life on purpose is about for me is every day is living the best version of me and always creating memories and reflecting on that before i go to bed when i pray i then reflect and say what was good today oh nothing was good well i'm not looking hard enough i woke up that's pretty yeah. good that, that, that's number one right there thank right? the lord for today yeah 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 another shot right absolutely so, Dwight, thank you so much. I'm I'm really I've got your book. I picked it up on Amazon this morning when I was was doing my homework, and I can't wait to get into it. So thank you so much for taking the time to be with us here today. Well, I appreciate you, Morris. Thanks so much for inviting me on. Well, I enjoyed it, and I, I bet our listeners did as well. And for everybody else out there, you guys know it's all about you going out and meeting somebody else. It's all about you helping some more people and adding value. And I know that you do that. So go out there and give it a great time. Have a great time. Enjoy your week. And I'll see you again next time right here on the Business of Sales 